Well, welcome to the One Life for Life podcast. My name is Eric Stewart, uh, president of One Life for Life, also pastor of One Life Church. Uh, joined here today with uh, my faithful brother, my my friend, my co-laborer, uh, partner in, in so many different ways, uh, sharing the gospel and ending abortion now, Justin Phillips. So Amen. good to be with you today, man. Good being with you. Yeah. 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 Exciting stuff we're going to talk about today, isn't it? Yes, sir. Yeah. But to start, I, I thought um, we just kind of open up and share today. Uh, our ministry's kind of kind of weathered a storm recently, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it sure did. So we just really want to take some time to bring everyone up to speed of, of really what happened. And more importantly, though, to thank those volunteers that, man, uh, came alongside us during that time, uh, volunteered their time. I mean, some guys a couple days a week uh, to, to make sure that our mission was to, to continue on. But um, let's just start back. We know uh, it was in the summertime, right? That at that time, up to that time, we had you and, and our, our good friend and brother James mm. out there, yeah, yeah. Uh, which, man, we love him to death. And, yeah. Uh, so thankful. Without James Carr, One Life for Life would not exist. Yep, yep. And uh, but during that time, he he felt called to to go back home, uh, and and man, we're we're behind him in that, and and thankful that he was able to do that. But at the same time, you know that that meant that we had one one missionary, which was you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Confronting the gates of hell every day. <laughs> yeah, God really moved in that area, and and I was able to my job basically I was laid off and then we was able to go right into the mission, be a missionary, which I had been out there for, I think it was like a little over a year, um, full time anyways, and pretty much. So God used that time to, for, um, James started it and I was able to be there and and help him and learn from him a lot of things and, and support him and him support me. And, and then, so, and then God moved us into a different phase, um, where we were, I was out there by myself a lot for a little while. And then, other things yeah. started happening. And. Yeah. yeah. So that was a transition for us, just going from, you know, James and the reins are passed to you, and we're trying to transition that and figure that out. And then not too long after that, though, um, you get a uh, PPO against you, right? Yeah. Yeah. Restraining order. Yeah. Share, share that story. Like how like how it happened or what? what yeah. The, so um, the the manager of the abortion clinic, is um, she's been managing that place for like 30 years. And, um, and she, once she found out that I was going to be on the parking lot because the, there was no more order saying I couldn't be on there because of the, the whole plaza sold and saw the whole plaza sold. Now I was, I was going on the parking lot and, um, if the mom would let us go up and give him a bag, we could do that instead of standing on the grass. And then I could walk in, into the parking lot a little bit and, and talk to Peggy and, and the workers when they left and, and share a gospel with them. So I didn't have to uh, project my voice as, as f- far, and that way they would hear me. Well, she did. She didn't li- not like that, you know, because now we're not just people standing in the grass. We can go up and and try to have conversations with someone more, more, uh, more effectively. Yeah. Than than waiting for them to come talk to us. Which means they lose money mm-hmm. when people don't go through with an abortion. So they don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's the they make money. When they have abort, when they do abortions, when they kill babies, they're making money. When they're not, they're losing money. You know, that's their yeah. whole business model. Their profit margin, you know, is based on how many, or you know, how much it costs to have abortion, but yeah. then how many they have, you know. So, so she didn't like that and was finding a way to um, get me off the parking lot, and that's what she used the restraining order 
to basically th- she thought that if he had a restraining order, well now he can't be there, and he's the guy that's out here most most days. I think um, uh, Steve Vollmer was doing like two mornings, and you were doing a morning, and other at that time. Yep. And then the rest of the week, it, I was out there by myself. Like we were, yeah, so it was like you, Steve, and I by ourselves, pretty much. Yeah. But she thought, well, if I get rid of Justin, then they're I, they're not going to be able to do it. Yeah. yeah. And then I won't have to worry about them taking yeah. my business from. Yeah. Me. So that's on a Friday. You get that, and since it's guilty until proven innocent when it comes to PPOs, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. She literally didn't have to pay anything. Goes there, gets gets the PPO. Um, you get it handed to you on Friday. You cannot go back there now. You yeah. go back there, you're going to go to jail. Yeah, I can't appear within her sight, the receiver yeah. said. Yeah, so that's on Friday, and we talk, and we're like, all right, well, what, what, what's our commitment? Our commitment is to have someone there every hour they're open. Mm-hmm. And we get on the phone and make some phone calls and contact people. And, uh, man, just people s- just really stepped up. It was mm-hmm. awesome. It was. And basically from that time until you were able to get, it's still not overturned, but able yeah. to get the PPO where you could go back out there was eight weeks. Yeah, eight weeks. And during that time, we did not miss one minute, did we? Nope, not one hour. God, yeah. God brought the people and, and got people stepped up and in a major way. And it was awesome to see, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so we just want to take this time to celebrate those people that volunteered their time. I mean, some... Uh, did a few days a week, uh, and just, just so, so grateful for them. Um, so if we, uh, Justin, maybe just go through and just, just extend a, a thank you to everyone, uh, that, that really filled in during that time. And, and we just want to share how much we love you guys. Yeah. So there was quite a few people that, that stepped up and Brian, Brian Stevenson. I mean, he was like, um, Stevens, Stevens, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Stevenson. Yeah. He, that was interesting. Brian would be like, who's that? Yeah. yeah. Who's that? Sorry, Brian, <laughs> Brian Stevens. But, um, uh, that, that was, a. we talked at the church. He goes to the river church and we talked at that church and then he, he got, he was called into that, like into coming out. And that was, I think two weeks before the PPO. Yeah. And then he stepped up in a big way. And, um, uh, I think he was out there three mornings a week and he's working second shift and, and, um, um, so that was neat how God brought him in right before that when looking back on it, you know, and, um, uh, Jerry Ellis, he lived up North and he come down and he, he, like anytime we were in a pinch and, um, he let us know, like, just let me know. And, he'd come and he'd down. do a few days a week sometimes too. Yeah. yeah. He would come yeah, down. That was awesome. And, yep. Uh, Nathan Brackenridge, um, uh, a guy from our church, uh, really stepped up and helped out on end days. Miles, which is now a full-time missionary. Yeah. That's when he start, He was doing a, a day a week out there, like consistently. And now he's a, a full-time missionary and um, at there. Um, our friends, uh, Bill and Gene, they've been doing, they've been at the mills for, I don't know, 10, At least 10 years. years. Yeah. yeah. 10 plus yeah. years. Yeah. So they really helped out a lot. Um, yeah. And Steve, you know, Steve Ulmer, so, so yeah. Steve, who was doing a few days, but then harvest came, he's a farmer. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so he wasn't there, but then during this time he would move stuff around with his schedule to be out there, which yeah. was huge. Um, Nick Staley, Nick Staley one of the elders yeah. from one life church. He, he filled in, uh, Jay Coldwell, he came out there one day. So man, just, just awesome to see the, the team come together and get us through that, that tough time. And yeah. a lot of babies were saved during that time. Like I, there was. I, think, I think it was like, God was like wanting to see, like, are you guys gonna, uh, continue on in this? And mm-hmm. I mean, there were several babies saved during that period. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just really awesome to see. And Eric, you, you were out there 
a lot during that time. Yeah. That's cool seeing your leadership in that. Like, well, this is this is what um, I I know God wants us to do and what what I started and helped start. And um, by God's grace, we've we He's done all these things, and this is you kind of you you like this falls on me, so I got to be out there more, you know. And like, and you took like it was awesome to, and you've had you had a save by you're out there by yourself. You had three saves in one day that one time. And then like two in another Friday or whatever. And that yeah, was amazing so, to be part of that. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's awesome to see like you, you taking the lead and like you always do and stepping up and all these people coming together and, and keeping that mill covered, you know, like everyone knew like, okay, it's battle. We know it's a battle. This, this, this situation happened. Now we got to step up and, and, you know, and fill in the gaps and yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, man. It's awesome. So uh, for those of you listening to that, this hopefully some of you guys are tuning into this that we just mentioned. Thank you. Yeah, thanks like, a lot. Like we could not have done this without you. You are part of this team. You're part of this ministry. The the fruit that comes from this is your fruit as well. And we just just want to sincerely say thank you to mm. to all of you guys. Yeah, thank but, you. But not only do we want to say thank you to those guys that kind of helped us get through that storm. And uh, I guess to wrap up that story, the you still have a PPO against you. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can be out there now. So we're able to get our schedule back and, uh, we've remained full time at Flushing road as well as uh, a part-time presence as, at Beecher road. And mm-hmm. then we've even had someone from our team, uh, spending some more time up in Saginaw with our brother, mm-hmm. uh, Cal's Astro yeah, and, yeah. and his wife up there. And just cool, cool to, to see that. Mm-hmm. So just so thankful for that team. And yeah. also just want to take a moment, um, to, to really say thank you to a few, few other guys. There's some people we're really indebted to, right? Mm-hmm. And, and being able to start this ministry. Uh, I think of a guy like Rusty Thomas, who's been in this fight for a lot of years. Oh, yeah. And I know for both of us at different times, I, I had uh, watched a few of his messages on YouTube, and I know you had listened to him live. He said some things that really impacted us. Yeah. Um, like for me, it was when he was talking about child sacrifice and how child sacrifice has always happened throughout history. Um, so... And that's the same thing that's happening today. It's just it's it's the same product in a different package. Mm-hmm. It's packaged a little different, but child sacrifice has happened, and this is our modern day child sacrifice. And and the 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 false gospel is the same. It's the same lie. You know, the lie is give your child to me, and everything will be okay. Mm-hmm. So just yeah. so thankful for Rusty. Yeah, he was one of the main speakers at an abortion now conference, and. Uh, I know it affected James and I both a lot when he said, like, if we believe abortion is murder and it is, then we need we need to act like someone is dying. Yeah, you know, because that's a big problem. That's a big. That's where the rubber meets the road, right? Like, yeah. if if you believe that, but your actions don't show that you believe that, then you really don't believe it. Yeah. You know. So. Yeah. Amen. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few other guys too. Uh, Cal Zastro. Uh, yeah. So he he's ministers up in. Saginaw, and he, he's really the one that led us into this fight. So, Cal, we love your brother. Thank you yeah. for it. So thankful for you. Glory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In the name of Cal, that was a glory in the na- in Cal's name. <laughs> and uh, Jeff Durbin and Apologia Studios, uh, the, 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 the videos they produce, the conference, the uh, opportunities. We've had to talk to some people from their team since then, the encouragement they've given to us. Mm-hmm. Um, just, just so thankful. So we're indebted to these guys. We're just part of... Um, this movement that's happening in, in our country, right? And yeah. we're just glad to play our small part in it and role in it. Amen. Yeah. So thankful for all them. Yeah. So now let's kind of dive in and, and hit uh, on what we wanted to discuss today. And our, our aim for this podcast is hopefully to give everyone that's listening to it um, 
a deeper understanding of why we do what we do. Mm -hmm. Like why we need to continue doing what we're doing as far as going on site to abortion mills and pleading for babies, why we need to continue to do it even if we don't see results. Mm -hmm. And this is an important thing we're going to talk about, and it's called the doctrine of blood guiltiness. It's a really seeker-sensitive topic, isn't it? Like, <laughs> yeah, it really yeah. tickles the ears. Yeah, um, and and I again mentioned Rusty Thomas. Both of us were introduced to this uh, really from Rusty Thomas. Was a huge catalyst on this uh, for us both as well. But we're just gonna kind of kind of walk through it. Talk about the the doctrine of blood guiltiness and why that matters in this fight to end abortion now. And hopefully everyone that's listening to this, this this topic, understanding and grasping this doctrine will give you all some teeth mm-hmm. to latch on to this fight to end abortion now. And what we want to do is we want to look at this issue of the shedding of innocent blood from God's perspective. We don't do that very often, do we? We always look yeah. at it from, from man's perspective, but let's look at it from God's perspective and consider what God thinks about uh, blood that is shed, about innocent blood that is shed. Mm-hmm. And the place to start is in the book of beginnings, right, Justin? Amen. Uh, Genesis chapter four, and we read about uh, the, the first instance, m- most likely, at least that's recorded, that we're aware of, the, the first crime of murder that was committed was Cain killing his brother Abel. And this is kind of where we're introduced to this doctrine of blood guiltiness. So Genesis chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. And Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you so angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother, Abel, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And there we have it. The, the voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And we're introduced to this topic of blood guiltiness, the doctrine of blood guiltiness. So, Justin, that's interesting when we kind of dissect that and take a minute to pause there, isn't it? Yeah. And con- consider the blood. Because what's the blood doing there? Yeah, it's actively working. It's actively doing something, and it's crying out to, to God. Yeah. So the, the, the text of Scripture doesn't say that, that God sees the blood, mm-hmm. but it actually says he hears it, even though he does see it. But he's emphasizing here that he, 
here's the blood. Yeah, the, the blood is not just passively laying there on the ground and God sees it. It's, it's, it's actively crying out to God. And what is that blood crying out to God for? It's crying out to holy and just God for justice yeah. against those who spilt their, their blood. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the innocent blood that is shed, it does not remain silent. It, it does not go away. It continues to cry out to God for justice to be done um, in, for, for the person that shed the blood. So let me turn to an, another uh, scripture here. Numbers chapter 35. And we'll read verse 33. You shall not pollute the land in which you live, for blood pollutes the land, and no atonement can be made for the land for the blood that is shed in it, except by the blood of the one who shed it. So that blood pollutes the land, it cries out, and it's telling us here that the only way for atonement to be made is by the blood of the person who shed the blood. Heavy yeah. stuff, isn't it? It is definitely, definitely, and you apply it to all the b- babies that are murdered. Yeah. You know? So when we started this ministry, this is stuff we talked about a lot, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that was one of the main things that really um, stuck with me, and God used to um, give me resolve in the fight. You know, to stay go out there every day and go again and again and again and again is because that blood is crying out to a holy and just God. Yeah. And someone needs to be there. Yeah. You know, when that place is open, there needs to be a Christian and staying outside of it. Yeah. Praying and begging God for mercy. Yeah. Like standing in the gap between Mm -hmm. the blood that's crying out and the holy God. Yeah. Yeah. Standing in, in the gap for that. Yeah. It really stuck with me. When if I saw that, yeah, because it's serious, and um, don't I mean don't you don't you feel often like you you read the Bible and you're like, man, who who inserted that in there? Yeah, like yeah. like I know I've been on this journey these mm-hmm. last few years of just understanding some truths and really, uh, in particular, um, understanding God's covenants. Mm-hmm. And like I feel like I've been reading the Bible for the first time mm-hmm. over and over yeah, again these yeah. last few years, and it's like I read through stuff and I'm like, man, w- w- where did that get inserted in there? Mm-hmm. But obviously it hasn't. This has remained the same. But I've I've been changing. Amen. And and something that just stands out in the scriptures is this doctrine of blood guiltiness and how serious God takes yeah. the shedding of innocent blood. Yeah, this is very serious. Yeah, and, and the abortion. You read through the Bible and being in the abortion, you know, in the ministry out at these mills, and you read the Bible and you see so much more too. Yeah, and like the fatherless and the poor and the needy, take you know, and the orphans and the you know, it's always talking about yeah. that, you know, yeah, stuff starts to stand mm-hmm. out and slap you upside the head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So talking about the doctrine of blood guiltiness, um, an- another example of how serious God takes this is in the Book of Numbers again, chapter thirty-five we read that he told the nation of Israel to establish cities of refuge Mm -hmm. for those that committed unintentional manslaughter. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So someone uh, unintentionally kills someone and they need to flee to these cities of of refuge. Mm -hmm. And uh, like they they didn't intend to do it. There was no uh, malice and forethought. This was unintentional, but still they have to pack up 
mm. and leave and go to this city of, of refuge. And we read about that in Numbers chapter uh, 35, beginning at verse 9. And it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you cross the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall select cities to be cities of refuge for you, that the manslayer who kills any person without intent may flee there. The cities shall be for you a refuge from the avenger, that the manslayer may not die until he stands before the congregation for judgment. And the cities that you give shall be six cities of refuge. You shall give three cities beyond the Jordan and three cities in the land of Canaan to be the cities of refuge. These six cities shall be for refuge for the people of Israel and for the stranger and for the sojourner among them, that anyone who kills any person without intent may flee there. Mm. That's how serious he takes this. Yeah. One other example I think that drives this point home um, we'll find in Deuteronomy chapter 21. And in, in Deuteronomy 21, what we see is that if there's an unsolved murder mm. that took place... They had to make atonement for it. Atonement yeah. still needed to be made for that blood that was crying out. Yeah, he never said, okay, well, that that's this case, so that's not... You don't have to worry about it. There always had to be yeah. something. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, uh, the blood of a, of a ox or a heifer, right? Is that what yeah. You yeah. Had to be... The blood that blood had to be spilled to make atonement for the blood that they didn't know who who killed this guy or, or woman, but but they still had to make atonement for it. Yeah. Otherwise that lamb would be polluted. Yeah. And they knew that, that that lamb being polluted would have an effect on them as citizens of that city because that city would be under blood guilt. Yeah. Until they removed that blood guilt from the land. So yeah, it's serious. <laughs> serious stuff. And they took it very seriously, you know, because they didn't want that blood on them. So they couldn't say, well, that's not my problem. No. I, I didn't commit the murder. Mm-mm. I didn't do it. Yeah, it wasn't I, me. Yeah, it wasn't me. Like God still required them to be active in making atonement for that blood guilt. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, we'll read about that in just a second in Deuteronomy chapter 21. And it's interesting because what would happen is if there was a, uh, they, they found a dead body, it's an uh, unsolved murder. They would actually have to, all the surrounding cities would actually have to measure and see which city was closest yeah. to this person that had died. Yeah, they really had to measure to, to, to see. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. To see which city that blood guilt was on. Yeah. And then whichever one it was determined to be, the leaders of that, including um, the elders of the city, including the judges and the priests, were all involved in this. Hmm. And then they would go and they would make a sacrifice. They would sacrifice a heifer and make a sacrifice so that atonement <laughs> would mm. be made. Mm. Even though, they, like, like literally, there's just a dead body they came upon. Yeah. But the, the blood guilt cried out to God for justice. So let's mm. read that. Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses 1 through 9. If in the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess, someone is found slain, lying in the open country and it is not known who killed him, then your elders and your judges shall come out, and they shall measure the distance to their surrounding cities. And the elders of the city that is nearest to the slain man shall take a heifer that has never been worked and that has not pulled in a yoke. And there's specific requirements of what type of sacrifice that had to be made too. 
And the elves of that city shall bring the heifer down to the valley with running water, which is neither plowed nor sown, and shall break the heifer's neck there in the valley. Then the priests, the sons of Levi, shall come forward, for the Lord your God has chosen them to minister to him and to bless in the name of the Lord. And by their word, every dispute and every assault shall be settled. And all the elders of that city nearest the slain man shall wash their hands over the heifer whose neck was broken in the valley. And they shall testify, our hands did not shed this blood, nor did our eyes see it shed. Accept atonement, O Lord, for your people Israel, whom you have redeemed, and did not set the guilt of innocent blood in the midst of your people Israel, so that the blood guilt, so that their blood guilt be atoned for. So you shall purge the guilt of innocent blood from your midst when you do what is right in the sight of the Lord. So that their blood guilt would be atoned for. Yeah. So they had blood guilt. Yeah. Because there was a guy that was murdered that didn't know who who did it or where he came from, but they found that man in their city dead, so they have blood guilt. Yeah. Yeah, so it, and it's interesting. It comes full circle back to the first story that we looked at, mm. Cain and Abel. And you remember when, when God asked uh, Cain, where's your brother? Mm-hmm. And what, what was his response? Am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? Yeah. Is that not what we do with this issue? Yep. Well, am I my brother's keeper? Mm-hmm. That's not my problem. Yep. That's not my family. I'm not the one committing the crime. I'm not the one that, that does it. But here God tells us that like when we're in a community with other people, we are our brother's keeper. Yeah. Like we are to look out for one another and we are collectively held responsible in particular for the blood guilt of the land. Yeah. Because it's a, um, a, a community sin that that whole community, the blood guilt's upon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so serious stuff. And mm-hmm. then when, when we transition and, and think about this blood guilt and think about it as relates to abortion, um, mm-hmm. just look at our local area. Uh, this past Saturday, we had guys um, connected with us at the uh, Flushing Road location in Flint and up in Saginaw Township. And in one day, 35 babies were murdered. Yeah. And so that, that blood guilt is, was crying out to God for justice. Hmm. And uh, just a, a little bit before we shot this podcast, we were doing our uh, weekly or our, our monthly uh, training with our One Life for Life staff and Jordan, who's right over there. On the ones and twos, right? That's how you say it, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Sitting behind the camera. Yeah. He, he brought up a, a point that, like, a, a baby, it's they have their own blood. Mm-hmm. And and life is in the blood. Yeah. And that their blood is spilled. And it's their blood that cries out for, for justice. So, so when our preborn neighbors are murdered, their blood is crying out to God for justice. A serious thing. It is. Yep. So so then that brings us to the next question, Justin. So, you know, it's not all doom and gloom, right? We're we're not uh perpetual pessimists. Yeah, we just uh, want we just want to know, I think, you know, we need to start what does God think about it? Yeah. And that's what we're that's this is what he thinks about it. Yeah. This is what he says about it. Yeah. And he's not different today than he was back then. Yeah. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Like God hasn't evolved, no, right? No. Like there's no open theism going on. He doesn't change. No. It's amazing, actually, how when you really study 
what we commonly believe about God today, how much of it is influenced by evolutionary thinking that, and we apply that to God, that God is, is always changing. God does not change. He remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. He is our solid rock. And we're, we're grateful for that. Mm-hmm. So what we're just doing is stating the problem, but now we want to kind of talk about the solution and what is required of us. What does God want us to do? And we firmly believe that understanding this, that the the first thing that God wants us to do is he wants us to go to the point of blood guilt, the point of injustice, and plead and stand in between that blood guilt and him and plead that in the midst of judgment, God would remember mercy. So this is a mercy ministry, actually. It is, yeah. (laughs) I used to think like, um, you know, uh, this would be more of a justice ministry, you know, like, cause it's concerned with justice, but it's really a, a mercy one. Yeah. I think it's more of a mercy one. I mean, yeah, justice needs to happen, but this is the mercy one. We're extending mercy to the, to the workers and to the moms and dads that go in there and telling them beforehand, you know, that this God's mercy that, you know, we're here to the, the way out, you know, to you, warn you. you. Yeah. To warn you like <laughs> what you're actually about ready to do. Cause the blood guilt is crying, is crying out and they're the ones that are guilty. Mm-hmm. Like we, the people we interact with, they're the ones that are guilty of shedding the innocent blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that blood of their own son or daughter, daughter cries out against their themselves, like yeah. mom and dad, yeah. you know, and, and so it's serious stuff. So this drives the point home, and this is something we talked about from the beginning. So understanding this and understanding the blood guilt that cries out should then lead us to this conclusion, that going out there and standing there and preaching the gospel and and pleading for the lives of these babies and standing in the gap is right regardless of what the results are. Mm -hmm. It is right regardless if any babies are saved now by the grace of God and his mercy, babies are saved, mm-hmm. but we got to have that conviction that it's right no matter what. Amen. And, and that's, that's, that's what fuels us. It's, it's right to, to be there. And as Abraham of old did, as Moses of old did, we're saying, God, like the, there's a remnant here. There's a, there's a, there's a, uh, a body of believers that are here um, that are standing in the gap and saying, God, be merciful to us even though this blood guilt cries out. So we continue to stand there because of that. And it's right because of that. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's one thing, uh, a solution is to continue to stand there. Another solution. Um, and, and I am so thankful again for Apologia studios for mm-hmm. leading the charge in this mm-hmm. is, is to take, um, this message of truth and be a prophetic voice to the magistrates and, um, just thankful that they're leading the charge in that. And, you know, we as Christians, we're not to be um, revolutionaries. We're not to practice civil disobedience. Uh, government is a God-ordained office and a God-ordained role. But what we are to do, though, is we are to practice biblical obedience. Mm-hmm. Yep. And part of that biblical obedience is if the government is um, operating outside of the bounds of Scripture— and they're neglecting their responsibilities before God and his law, then we as a church and as a people have a calling to be a prophetic voice to them. So that's something that we need to continue to do is to be a prophetic voice to these magistrates pleading with them to act (laughs) and to stop this blood guilt from being upon our land. Because if we repent, um, 
that then we can find restoration in this. We can find harmony in this. If we, because in the name of Jesus Christ, if we repent from this and offer up our lives as a living sacrifice, standing in the gap and put an end, end to this, um, we can, we can find restoration here, but repentance has to happen. It does. Yeah. And, and, um, they're the ones that are to punish evil, right. And, and be a terror to evil. Yeah. And, and um, and they're not doing that. And so, so we we need to go in and tell them what God says. They're responsible to God, just like everyone else is. And they, and like Romans says, they know God like everyone else does. But like without that, but they've, but they're God's given them over because they harden their heart and they hate God, you know, to their core. But but like we go and tell them and and proclaim the word to them. I think a lot of times it's like that's why being silent is so bad. Because there, are some people are always hearing something. Yeah. And what are they hearing? You know. Well, if there's no, if there's no prophetic voice, if there's, if the word of God isn't going forth, you know, in these areas, then they, then they, then they just, they're, they're gonna go do, you know, just worse and worse. Yeah. But if you always had someone in there proclaiming the word of God, all these cities and towns and stuff, like yeah. nonstop. Yeah. Over time, you know, I mean. Because God's word never returns void. Amen. Yeah. It, it does. It always does one of two. When God's word goes forth, it does one of two things always. Mm-hmm. One is it breaks that person mm-hmm. and brings them to their knees where they submit to Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. If that doesn't happen, the other thing it does is the word of God acts as judgment over them. <laughs> so when His word goes forth, yeah. either they they repent um, and they believe. And the word has accomplished what it intended to do, or they choose to reject the word and rebel against it. And now it's a means of judgment for them because they can't say, I didn't hear. Yeah. Now they've heard. So yeah. that, that, that's what that verse means when it says his word never returns void. Yeah. It always accomplishes one of those two things. And we, ha- and that, you know, we have to open our mouth, right? Yeah. And then, and then uh, and, uh, Jesus said that quite a few times, now that they have, now that they have heard, their guilt remains. Yeah. Because now that they, 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 they seen or they heard. You know now they have no excuse, and so that like um, that's really important. Yeah. To go to, and I really like that. I'm yeah. Excited to to that we can go into the magistrates and do that. Like a, a yeah. Follow apology is lead into that, and it's gonna be yeah. exciting. Yeah. Amen. Amen, brother. Mm-hmm. Well, the final thing is we think about this, and I'm gonna speak um, narrowly to our people in Genesee County, but uh, apply it to anyone else listening to it. But I, I plead. Um, particularly the people in our area, if you could join us in doing this, uh, let's repent together for our apathy towards the shedding of innocent blood in our area. You know, we, we live in the Flint area, which is known as one of the most dangerous places to live. Um, on average per year, there's 65 homicides, which is terrible. Like mm-hmm. I'm not minimizing that. That's terrible. Like anytime innocent blood is shed, that that's, that's terrible. However, um, that, that pales in comparison to the number of homicides that take place illegally at Women's Health Center on Flushing Road and Planned Parenthood on Beecher Road. Mm-hmm. And this has happened in our own backyard for those of us that live out around here. And, and what God wants us to do is he wants us to repent of our apathy towards it. So if he's opened our eyes to it and we're guilty, man. Like how oh, many yeah. years did we live on an ap- go on an apathy and we just don't want to go on anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and so we're asking God to give us the eyes to see this for what it really is and, and pleading with the church in our area to join us and repent with us, guys. Oh. 
Like the, the blood guilt is there. Judgment is there. All we can ask for now is for God to be merciful to us. Mm-hmm. We, we need, and, and I believe that if enough of us repent and, and go before God and, and plead with him in, in the midst of judgment to remember mercy and, and to be merciful to us, and if we change and if we start to continue to be active to rid this land of the blood guilt, that God will pour out his blessings upon us. Amen. Yeah, so many things are tied to abortion, I think. Yeah. You know, that blood guilt, like, uh, um, and if abortion ends, I mean, God would pour his blessings out, like you said. And I think a lot of things are tied to the reason a lot of things are the way they are is because, because of that. I mean, there's all this, there's a lot of mentioned in the Bible about the land being polluted and vomiting in the mouth because of blood guilt, you yeah. know, and then it's generationally, um, uh, it's a generational thing too, yeah. you know, like like our kids and our grandkids, like if if this blood just keeps building up and building up and building up and building up, you know, eventually that's all gonna come on, come on a generation, you know, just like uh, Jesus said that he, he, all the blood of the prophets, all the way to Abel to all the prophets was he brought on the generation of, of the Jews, you know, that was all yeah. put on them, all that blood guilt, you know, and then 70 AD, all that was all wiped out. The nation yeah. was just wiped out. Yeah. And um and so and we just really need to see that's why we really need to see the way God sees it and this is what he says about it about blood guilt and then in that there is no difference than what happened 35 babies died Saturday were murdered on Saturday right in our area and God sees it no different than that if they were 4 and 5 year olds that were ripped apart right down the road from where we're at. You know, we go about our life thinking, well, I got this to do or that to do or, you know, and, and but like the, the priority of that goes way up when we really see it the way God sees yeah. it, you know? And so we, there's, it's, there's not too much that we, oh, we can't, there's not too much we can do. You can't overreact to the situation. Yeah. Like R.C. Sproul Jr. said in um, Babies Are Murdered Here video, you know, it's not like, like, oh, I overreacted. Like, no, there's literally thousands of babies dying every day. Yeah, every day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, great point. Well, we hope that those listening to this, um, either supporting those that are going to the front lines or are those actively going to the front lines, I, I just want to say um, you guys are all our heroes. Mm-hmm. And for those of you uh, going to the front lines, like my brother Justin here, uh, just I hope you're encouraged by this and know this, that like what you're doing is right regardless of what results you have, mm-hmm. regardless if you get applause, if you get accolades, mm-hmm. if other people uh, uh, agree with what you're doing, it, it's right. Mm-hmm. Keep doing it. Amen. Keep going. Keep pressing on. You are our heroes and we're thankful mm-hmm. for you. And uh, I hope everyone was able to, to get a little clearer picture of why this is such a serious thing because the blood is, is, is crying out. But as we wrap it up, I just want to mention a, a few things. Uh, for those people that are local here in the Flint area, uh, uh, in Michigan in particular as well, uh, I just want to mention that on March 21st, we have our second End Abortion Now yeah. banquet coming up. Yeah. Uh, so, so excited about that. Go to uh, onelifeforlife.org and you'll get more information about the banquet on, on the website there. Um, just uh, just 
connect with us. We really want to fill this place out so we can teach these truths to more and more people to teach and instruct the church and equip the church to see abortion the way God sees it. Mm -hmm. So that way we can act the way God wants us to act and we can put an end to this in in his name. So go check that out. Um, Or if you, if you're not from the area and just want to support what we're doing um, through prayer, through encouragement, through finances, also go to onelifeforlife.org. And you got to spell the whole thing out. So O-N-E-L-I-F-E-F-O-R-L-I-F-E.org. And go check it out. So thanks for listening, everyone. God bless you. We love you guys. Thank you.